0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Night Report podcast. Uh, a little weird this week because I never do the intro and Mike usually does it. But uh, regardless, we replaced him with a pretty, uh, pretty well-known character, I guess we can call him, in, uh, Alex Gleitman. Alex, what's going on?
1: What's up, Richie? I'm excited. It's the Gleitman Bowl this week, <laughs> Rutgers and Ohio State. I cover both teams, for those who don't Mm -hmm. know, so it's always a fun week, Um, you know, answering questions on my Ohio State site about Rutgers, questions on, obviously, our site about Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I know this one hasn't been too competitive since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, but hoping that uh, Shiano just continues to do work and and make it a more competitive game year after year, because it's always fun for me.
0: Yeah, so um, he obviously had some interesting comments going in on Monday, and it seems like some of the Ohio State beat writers are picking it up a little bit. Um, instead of saying like, "Hey, we're going to go in and give our best effort," he goes, "We're going to win, like, and we're we're going to try that." Now, I don't know if, w- what your thoughts are on that, but I thought I found it a little bit interesting. I know you got to hype your team up, but you're not going to win. So.
1: I mean, I'd be pissed if I was a you know <laughs> if I'm a Rutgers fan, and my coach isn't saying that. I'd be mm-hmm. angry because yeah. they're not playing these games. I mean, look. We we know the spreads forty one points. We know what the history is. We know the talent you know disparity between these teams, but things happen. All you know to quote little giants one time. Uh, you're playing sixty minutes of football. If you can play better than Ohio State for sixty minutes of football, you got a shot. And to not have that mentality would be a failure. You don't want someone leading your program that doesn't have that mentality. So mm-hmm. I love that Greg Schiano came out and said that whether he truly believes that in his heart, I don't know, but he's got it. That's got to be the mentality he and all the players all the way down to the support staff have mm-hmm. entering this game. Otherwise they have no shot before they even step on the field.
0: Yeah. So before we get into a little in depth of talking about the Ohio state offense and defense, I, I got to ask you, you obviously covered Ohio state for a long time now. What, what's your best Shiano story from his time there?
1: Oh, man. I know you might Um, get in trouble
0: a little bit because, you know.
1: (laughs) I'll stay away from getting in trouble. um, But I'll say that I just think this is a cool story. Like, Greg, like, he's been hurt in the NFL, so I don't know how many people are, like, that familiar with him. But Malik Mm -hmm. Hooker was a first-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts. And I just think, you know, that was a – Greg had a lot of equity with Urban Meyer when it came to recruiting Mm -hmm. takes and things like that. Um, and Malik Hooker was someone that, that Greg pounded the table, um, to make sure that he got on the field and, um, mm-hmm. you know, his first year as defensive coordinator. So Greg didn't, I, I think Luke Fickle recruited Malik out of Pittsburgh, but in his first year, Greg came in and implemented his system and Malik Hooker who hadn't barely played before that 2016 season, he put him in at his, mm-hmm. at his free safety position and Malik had like. As far as – I've been watching Ohio State football since like 2000 – right like religiously since 2004, Mm -hmm. and it was the best year of any safety, maybe any defensive back I've ever seen at Ohio Mm -hmm. State. Um, Malik basically was on the field for one year, left early for the NFL, first-round pick of the Colts. He's had some injury troubles, but I think he's starting again for the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correctly. So I just thought it was really cool how Greg came in, recognized talent, especially for Mm -hmm. his system helped develop Malik into a first-round pick, and um, basically turned around the kid's entire life. So um, that's a, that's I would say that, that just that little antidote was, was probably one of the cooler things that I saw during Greg's, uh, what was it, I guess, three years at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, three years or something like that. It's, it's interesting, but uh, let's dive into this team a little bit. Um, Heisman candidates up and down the offense pretty much. Um, so just tell me a little bit about the Ohio State offense that's pretty much running on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because if you watch the Notre Dame game, they weren't really running on all cylinders. And I think it's a few factors. I think, you know, you come out the gates and it's opening day. You got a little Mm. rush. You got a little nervousness. Maybe Notre Dame's throwing some things at you that you didn't expect. Jackson Smith and Jigba went down in the middle of that game with a hamstring injury. That's basically hampered him the entire season up until this point. And so while Marvin Harrison Jr. And Emeka Ibuka did play a little bit as freshmen last year, they didn't play a ton they had to bring in a former walk-on Xavier Johnson as kind of like the guy they trusted the most to, to be that slot receiver. So it was kind of a different group than CJ Stroud used to practicing with. I think that factored into it. They have mm-hmm. on the offensive line, they had uh, while well, they've had uh Luke Whipler's kind of the mainstay from last year's group in the center. Mm-hmm. The other four starters are either playing a new position than they played last year or they're new starters. So they obviously needed to gel and and still need to gel to get to kind of reach their full potential. But that was their first game playing together in all of those positions. And so it looked a little clunky, I think, out the gates. Not to mention that, you know, I know Notre Dame, people laughing at them now, but they came into the year with a, a pretty well-respected defense, if nothing else, right? Yeah. So I think all those factors you, you put into consideration, it looked a little clunky. Arkansas State, game two, it looked a little better. Toledo, they absolutely exploded for 77 points. And then last week against Wisconsin, they just looked awesome. Um, They are rolling on all cylinders. C.J. Stroud, I I would consider him, when you talk about NFL prospects, I think he's the best NFL quarterback prospect in the country. When you talk about college quarterbacks, it's probably him or Bryce Young. He's only improved from last year, which is scary for opponents, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten a little bit better as far as his mobility. He's gotten in better shape. He's he's escaping the pocket a lot better and creating plays uh, that, that should be you know negative plays or losses. So um, he, he's been really good this year. He's been really accurate. He threw one interception at the end of the half last week that kind of was a, a little bit of a boneheaded play um, as they were trying to get down the field and score some more points before the break. But – I think he's got like 16 touchdowns to one interception, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's been absolutely outstanding. Running backs, they got a two headed monster Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams. Both of them have been fantastic. Henderson came in with a little bit more hype, but I think Williams has actually been the better back this year. But they've both been really good. Um, and I think the reason for that is that offensive line we talked about. They've started to kind of gel and come together and, and play really mm-hmm. well. But. You know, I think Rutgers defensive line will pose a little bit of a challenge. I like that unit for Rutgers. So we'll see how they do. And then at wide receiver, um, I'm not expecting Jackson Smith and Jigba back this week. I think they're going to rest him again until that hamstring gets 100% healthy. Um, But Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ameka Ibuka have been really, really good for Ohio State. And then the other guy who they didn't have for Notre Dame that is back is Julian Fleming, former number one overall recruit, (laughs) five-star, number one receiver. He's back in the mix. He's played pretty well the last two weeks. So, those are the three receivers. Speedster Jaden Ballard's kind of a deep threat that they use as the fourth receiver. Um, but it will mainly be those three guys. And then the guy I have not mentioned that has really emerged as a very surprising playmaker has been Cade Stover. Cade Stover is the starting tight end for Ohio State. Um, they do play a lot of uh, 12 personnel, so they do use two tight ends a lot. But Stover's been the pass-catching tight end. He caught a couple touchdowns last week against Wisconsin. Um, he's had multiple catches in every single game. And that's surprising because kind of the joke around Ohio State fans is, is this going to be the year of the tight end? I mean, they've had some really good tight ends that have went on to play in the NFL. Jake Stoneburner, Jeff Hierman, Nick Vanette still in the NFL, Marcus Baugh, Luke Farrell's with the Jaguars, and then most recently – for all my Jets fans out there, Jeremy Ruckert was drafted in the third round this year, but despite having, I think every single tight end that Ohio State has had going back to like like 20 years or so, has ended up on an NFL roster, um, yet none of them are really featured in the offense, and it's probably because they have such great running backs, they have such great receivers, there's only one ball to go around, right? Um, but this year, all of a sudden, Kate Stover, the guy who converted from a linebacker last year, has become an elite pass catching tight end for Ohio state. So he's definitely someone to look out for on Saturday um, as, as an additional threat in this passing game.
0: So is that basically what the, the, I guess the game plan would be with basically just pass the ball on this Rutgers secondary. Obviously, you know, that's probably Rutgers best unit mind you, but I know it's still obviously Ohio state versus Rutgers at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think Ohio state last year, Became a little too pass happy um, their mm-hmm. offensive line they played Thayer Munford, who's starting for the Raiders now at, at tackle. Um, they played him at guard and they played Paris Johnson who's the current starting left tackle at guard. Their, their goal was to try mm-hmm. to get the best five on the field so Nick Petit Frere, who's starting for the Titans, was the right tackle uh, or sorry was the left tackle, and dewan jones who's who's starting at right tackle again was the starting right tackle, and so they they basically played two two tackles at guard last year in order to get the best five on the field, but Mm -hmm. I don't think, while they might be the best five individual talents, I don't think that they were the best five group of talent, because they did really well in pass protection, but they struggled a little bit in the run game, and I think, especially on the interior line, where you need to play with a little bit more leverage, play a little bit lower, get a little bit more push, they struggled a little bit, especially in the short running game. So this year you have two true guards playing guard, Matthew Jones from Erasmus Hall at right guard, Donovan Jackson, former five-star recruit at left guard. And I think that that's really helped bolster the running game. And I think Ryan Day kind of took a step back and said, we need to be able to lean on our running game a little bit more this year. So I think Mm -hmm. so far you're seeing a little bit more balance between the run game and pass game. And, you know, I think that makes Ohio state that much more dangerous. If you're Rutgers and you want to stop Ohio state, or at least slow them down, you need to be able to stop that run game. So I think Ohio State's going to try to come out with a balanced attack against Rutgers. And if mm-hmm. Rutgers can't stop one of those, I mean, it, it's going to be a long day for that defense.
0: Yeah. So now I want to flip flip Uh, geez. I can't even talk on the flip side of things. Um, Ohio state's defense has been pretty well. And it's, it's littered with New Jersey guys between Baptiste, Simon Hickman. Um, is this unit just basically going to dominate this Rutgers offense that's Probably second worst in the Big Ten this year so far.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I you know I think that the Ohio State wiped out their whole defensive staff other than Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach, and they Which, brought in Jim knoll from Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. They brought in Tim Walton from the NFL to coach cornerbacks. Perry Elliano, who did a great job coaching Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant last year at Cincinnati, is the safeties coach. Knowles mm-hmm. is coaching the linebackers, but he brought a couple kind of. Uh, I guess you'll call them support staffers from Oklahoma state that help out with that as well. Mm-hmm. And then he also brought uh, transfer, grad transfer Tanner McAllister from Oklahoma state. Who's almost like an on-field coach. He plays, Ohio state plays a four, two, five. So he plays uh, the third safety position, which is kind of that slot safety position. Um, and the new scheme, the new disguising looks, not just showing the same look, every single play like Kerry Combs did I mean, it's really made a big difference. And as you mentioned, the New Jersey guys, I mean, they're playing really good ball. Cody Simon doesn't technically start at linebacker, but he plays a mm-hmm. lot. Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyler Friday are two defensive end. They're reserves. They don't start, but they, they get in the rotation, and they rotate through a lot. Um, Ronnie Hickman is one of the starting safeties, and he's been very, very good for Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, those New Jersey guys, you know, Greg Schiano recruited actually a bunch of them. Uh, to Ohio state. He's probably regretting that a little bit now, but um, you know, they, they play a big role in this new defense, which is very aggressive plays very fast. They fly to the ball. It's a, I I know it's hard because Ohio state's defense actually played really well in the Rutgers game last year. So Rutgers Mm -hmm. fans memory might be of a good defense last year, but if you watch Ohio state against Michigan or Utah or Oregon last year, you could see really where those holes were. Um, And I think that you're not going to see that this year. It's a completely different philosophy mentality use of the players, use of the personnel. And so far so good. Now they are susceptible to some big plays. I'll say Jim Knowles admits, we build in five explosive plays against us a game. Um, We're willing to give up Mm. five explosive plays in exchange for our aggressiveness. Mm. And we still feel that that will help us execute the game plan. Now an explosive play doesn't necessarily mean a score, right? Mm -hmm. It just means a big gain of whatever, you know, 20, 30 yards, um, but I think Rutgers, when they have the ball, they need, you know, Sean Gleason, it's going to be on him, a game of chess to some extent, trying to find those spots where Ohio state maybe is a little over aggressive. And how do you take mm-hmm. advantage of those? Right. So those plays are built in and we haven't seen five explosive plays in a single game against Ohio state this year, because mm-hmm. it takes the perfect play call, the execution, you know, all of that with the timing, um, to make it happen. So, um, that's kind of a, a high view recap of the defense, but yeah, the New Jersey guys certainly, uh. Have helped out.
0: Yeah. So now you kind of mentioned there's not really any holes in this defense. If there was one specific hole, is is there anything that this Rutgers offense could really attack?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think cornerback this year has surprisingly been a little bit of a hole. Um, There's injuries. Mm. So Denzel Burke, who emerged as a freshman starter last year and was kind of coming in as probably their best NFL draft prospect, the position. He actually – he, he wasn't great before last week, and then he missed last week's game. He's got some sort of hand injury. It will probably mm. keep him out this week. Um, Cam Brown, who's a starter – the other starter actually missed last week against Wisconsin as well. He has been playing well. It's, he's questionable to be back this week. I kind of think he will be, mm. but he may not be. Jordan Hancock will not be back. He was supposed to be the third cornerback for this team, a former five-star recruit out of Georgia. Mm. Um, they expected big things out of him. Uh, This year and so far, you know, he hasn't been able to get on the field with a calf injury he suffered in the preseason. So last week against Wisconsin, they started um, sophomore J.K. Johnson, um, who's played a little bit, you know, and then they started. True freshman Jair Brown, at cornerback. Um, They actually both played pretty well against Wisconsin. I mean, you know, against the Badgers, you're you're stopping the run game. And then after that, if they're one-dimensional, things get a little bit easier. But I I would say, you know, just given all that, who may play, who may not play, um, they do leave the cornerbacks on an island quite often. So Mm -hmm. I think all that into consideration, that's probably the one area where I would say Rutgers should be trying to attack, um, you know, moving forward.
0: Now, obviously, Rutgers has a couple uh, notable kick returners and specialists in, uh, I, I guess, that every position on special teams, pretty much punter, kicker, uh, Crookshank, Youngblood, etc. Uh, is there any chance? I know this unit for Ohio State's been ranked, what, top 25 for the past couple seasons on special teams? Is there any chance they'd be able to kind of get something going there that doesn't involve an 11-person lateral <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's possible. Um, Ohio State's been kicking out of the end zone a lot more this year than they mm-hmm. have in years past. They used to kind of do that um, play where they corner they they kick a high ball right into the corner at around like the inside the five yard line, mm-hmm. um, and then you know try to pin you inside the twenty um, or twenty five, I guess, if you choose to take it out. And they're usually very successful with that. Um, mm-hmm. We saw the lateral try to kind of counter that in the <laughs> past from Rutgers and, and and a few other teams, but I think Ohio State especially knowing how explosive Aaron Cruikshank is in the return game. They'll try to kick it away from him or out of bounds Mm -hmm. as much as possible. I mean, there's a huge talent differential in this game. I don't think anyone can argue that. Why give Rutgers an opportunity to get good field position um, or or maybe make an explosive play in special teams to make this game closer than it needs to be? Um, So I I think you'll see Ohio State probably kick it out of the end zone a lot. And then Jesse Murko, their punter, um may not be as good as Rutgers punter but he he's pretty darn good he's in his second year out of Australia so he's a little bit older a little bit more mature um he he he's done very well in his you know year plus at Ohio State now um he's been punting it really well but I imagine kind of they'll tell him don't give Rutgers a chance to make any plays in the return game um even if we have to kick it a little shorter let's play the field position game let's be smart about it but yeah I mean that's if you're Rutgers, that's an area where you feel you have to win in this game is special teams mm-hmm. if you want a chance to win this game.
0: Yeah, so, so like you mentioned before in the beginning, a 41-point spread. I think it's uh, probably changing almost daily at this point, going up or down, but most likely up. But uh, is there any way you see Rutgers possibly, any way in shape or form winning this game? I know it's very tough to project. Is there is there a, a like, situation where you think maybe every, everything just has to bounce the correct way? Is that what it is? or?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's cliche, but win the turnover battle, Mm -hmm. win the time of possession. And I think that's, that is key, right? Like being able to shorten this game and make Mm -hmm. it a slugfest and a street fight versus a track meet. I think that's really important for Rutgers. The offensive line is going to, is going to be a big part of that. Can they move Ohio state's defensive line and run the ball successfully? If they can, Mm -hmm. they can shorten this game, move the ball down the field, move the chains, keep Ohio state's defense on their feet, you know, Pick up some points, whether it's field goals. I mean, you, you, I think you need sevens, not threes in this game if you want to win it. Yeah. But, you know, field goals, couple touchdowns here and there and try to make this like a lower scoring affair. That's probably Rutgers' best chance. But they got to play a clean game, you know, limit the mm-hmm. penalties, no turnovers, you know, win the battle at the line of scrimmage as much as possible, time of possession. And then, you know, a couple plays here or there, you know, they, they, they need to hit, as I talked about, Ohio State builds explosive plays into that defense to give up. Ohio, Rutgers has to hit, take advantage of those moments. Um, that's really the way that this game is is a game in the fourth quarter, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, it's hard to see any result other than Ohio State winning by a, a pretty significant margin. But if Rutgers wants to do it, as I said, one time, 60 minutes, mm-hmm. this is their opportunity. So you got you to gotta try to execute your game plan.
0: Yeah, so with that being said, um, give, give us a game prediction. Obviously, we'll see it in the war room tomorrow, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hate, you know, I hate doing this because I, I love my Rutgers people. But, again, I just, I don't see Rutgers offense, like, even if they limit Ohio State's offense to, like, 28 points, even 20 points, which would be That's their season a win. low. That is a win can right Rutgers <laughs> score 20 points against this Ohio State team to win the game or 21 points? I, I just don't see it. Um, I think it's going to be tough sledding. I think it's going to get ugly pretty quickly, similar Mm -hmm. to last year. And I know people are going to be surprised that I even say Rutgers with 13 points, but I think Ohio State, I think they'll be able to to get a couple field goals early and maybe a touchdown later in the game against the backups. I'm going to say Ohio State 52, Rutgers 13.
0: Okay. That's that's about right. I think it's uh, with the spread and everything. It's pretty close.
1: They cover the spread, right? Yeah.
0: that's that's accurate so now now while i have on, you on
1: we can't bet on Rutgers in new jersey but i'll, I'll say take points why not
0: yeah but uh since i have you on here and you are one of the Rutgers recruiting analysts um i want i want to talk a little bit about Rutgers recruiting real quick um they obviously yeah. hosted a bunch of big name 2024s last week for the uh night game versus iowa what were what you hearing on 2024 since it seems like 2023 is kind of done for the most part minus portal
1: yeah, I mean, 2023, I mean, they just lost Jason DeClona. So do they try to, you know, do they try to replace him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, um, you know, Nomdi's out there on the defensive line. That's a guy that they could go after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a few other names that I think probably will pop onto our scene or re, reappear onto our scene that they'll look at. I don't think that they're completely done, but I do think Rucker's fastest way to become competitive is probably use a bunch of those spots and, and go to the portal like they did. This past season to try to help their offensive line and some other spots Mm -hmm. kind of where they see fit. So I I, I kind of agree with you. You're probably looking at maximum three, four more guys, maybe, and probably not even that many um, added to this class for 23. Um, I would love to see them add a quarterback just because you're – look at what's happening right now. I mean the depth is an issue, and I think Mm -hmm. they need to – we've talked about this. I think they need to recruit a quarterback every single year. Um, so I would go out and get a quarterback and maybe, you know, two or three other players to, to kind of, you know, be in this high school class and then, you know, fill the rest of the portal. And I think the, the good thing about the position they're in is it's allowed them to focus a little bit more on 24, 25s, evaluate mm-hmm. the film, send out some offers, host those guys on visits. And, you know, the program's not exactly where they want it to be just quite yet. But I think the message that they're conveying to some of these younger guys Mm -hmm. is resonating. So I I do see a positive outlook for the future of Rutgers recruiting, even if this 23 class on paper right now from a high school perspective doesn't look all that great at the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to mention a little bit about that 2024 class. Um, You're you're big in the New York recruiting scene. New York, is this the best recruiting class ever in New York in 2024? Because it seems like they just have a a lot of top tier guys. Maybe not that one level, like high level guy, but it seems like there's a bunch of power five dudes now throughout New York. Yeah, there's depth.
1: There's at least a handful that I could count on my, you know, off the top of my head right now, and and I'm mm-hmm. sure a couple more will will be emerging. Um, you know, for me it's hard to, for me it's hard to say best ever. Um, just because yeah. I think that I think best in a while probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure. I mean, just looking back to the 2018 class, I think it was alone mm-hmm. in New York, you had Jeremy Ruckert. At Ohio go to Ohio State. you had Matthew yeah. Jones go to Ohio State. You had Trill Williams go to True. Syracuse. kadir white didn 't end up working out for him, but he was mm-hmm. you know th- high three low four star prospect who ended up signing with Syracuse. Ahmad Anderson, mm-hmm. obviously now at him. Temple, but you know signed with Purdue. Aaron Cruikshank went to Wisconsin in that class. you know he, okay. he didn 't work out either, but Sahir <laughs> Lacewell signed with Rutgers. Elijah Jones is mm-hmm. still at Boston College, so those are eight guys right there. Um, that I just rattled off, and that doesn't include, you know, Rutgers signed Paul Woods. They signed Matthew Thomas. Gabe True. Warren went to Syracuse. Matt uh, Velici went to Boston College. Stevie Scott went to Indiana. David uh, uh, Wagogo is now at Rutgers. He was at Temple. Christian Izzy and Abraham. I mean, I'm just I could keep rattling off names. Right, we're yeah, we're about lie. twenty. <laughs> we're about twenty deep right there, right? That that signed that signed or are currently playing with Power Five schools. So mm-hmm. I'll say that is probably the best class. It's York.
0: fair. I, I didn't realize it was that many from that that 2018 class. Wow, that's, that's incredible. It, but, that uh, was a good class,
1: yeah. yeah. I remember going to the E-Hall signing day and it was like,
0: you one, know, two, three, four, five, Sean five, might have
1: been in that class too, if I'm, if I'm uh, thinking about things correctly. He might have been the Ooh, year yeah. before, I can't remember, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a really good class.
0: Yeah, so I mean, uh, any, any parting thoughts? I think that's all we really got. It's a relatively quick one today.
1: No, man. I mean, I'm just excited. You know, however this game goes, it goes. I hope Rutgers puts up a a good fight, you know, Mm -hmm. if they lose. Um, But I, you know, I I know it's tough right now. I'll just say this to the fans. I know it's tough, you know, seeing the offensive output, especially the last couple weeks. But this team, don't give up on this team. I mean, this team has three wins already. Mm -hmm. Indiana's a winnable game. Northwestern's a winnable game. Michigan State's a winnable game. Maryland's a winnable game, right? So am I forgetting anyone?
0: Uh, Nebraska, 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 yeah. Yeah, you said
1: Nebraska, those, those are four or five winnable yeah. games. I mean, if they can, what did I just say? Five games. If they can go three and two in those games, they're That's... in a bowl. They're looking mm-hmm. at six and six. I'm not, I know some people had them beating BC. I personally didn't. And I had them at four mm-hmm. and eight without beating BC five and seven with beating BC. But if they can come in and steal one of these other games, some somehow down the stretch, you know, at this point, six and six, I mean, that would be an incredible year in a season that at least I personally felt was going to be almost a transitional stepping stone year before Mm -hmm. Gavin Wimsett, we really need to see something from Gavin Wimsett at the quarterback position next year. So, um, you know, that's just – that's what I would say to the fans listening is don't give up on this team regardless of what happens this weekend. I still think, you know, this could be a really fun and exciting season for, for Rutgers.
0: All right, Alex, thanks for everything. And uh, that's another edition of Night Report Podcast. Uh, Hit the subscribe button down below, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.